Hey, we're going to start off right now, um, like we always do, uh, we're going to start off in prayer. And we do this because we're not just here to sing songs together, and we're not just here to listen to someone like me speak. Uh, You don't want to just listen to me speak, right? We need to invite God into this place. We want God to speak to you guys in a different way that only He can speak to you, right? And when we sing, we're not singing just together. We're worshiping the living God. We're worshiping God, the God who created each one of us, right? So that's what we're going to do right now. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads right now and pray. Yeah, Jesus, we just, God, praise you right now for waking us up today. Thank you for uh, giving us this day to be a part of, God. Thank you for all that you continue to do in our lives, Jesus, and thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. Jesus, we pray right now that you're with us. Jesus, we pray that you pour out your spirit onto us, God. I pray that you're speaking through me. I pray it's your words, not my own speaking, God, and I pray that For those people in this room, Jesus, I know there's people in this room who have put up barriers separating themselves from you and them. God, I pray that those are broken down in Jesus' name. I pray that by the end of this message, God, that they will accept you and believe in you again. Jesus, we lift you high. It's in your name we pray. We all say amen. Amen. All right. So today, you guys, today I'm just going to give you two things, just two things that I absolutely love about the Holy Spirit. Can you guys hang with me for two things? That's all I'm going to do. I'm giving you two aspects of the Holy Spirit that I love. I, we started this series on the Holy Spirit. If you weren't here, we started this series two weeks ago. And I started uh, by talking about how the Holy Spirit fills us, right? And He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as He or Him. So He's not just an energy or a force, but the Holy Spirit is an actual person. And He lives inside of us. And he empowers us. That's what I talked about in week one of this series. Last week, Ismari talked about how the Holy Spirit is God. How he is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is actually God himself. Right? And so this week, I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our advocate. And he's our friend. Right? So I want to talk about just two aspects of the Holy Spirit that I love on how he is our counselor, how he is our friend, and how he is um, our advocate. This song, perfect. Am I on? Thank you, Lynn. Um, so the first aspect that I absolutely love about the Holy Spirit, write this down, is he convicts me. He convicts us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And I'll tell you why I love that soon. Uh, but flip open your Bibles to John uh, chapter 16, verse 7. We're going to start verse 7 through 15 is what we're going to read. And as you flip there, and it should be on the board as well. Um, This is Jesus talking here. He's talking to his disciples when we pick this up. And he says this. He says in verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, Jesus says. But when he, meaning the Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. 
he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So there's a lot in that scripture what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit. But the main thing I want you guys to take away right now from that is that the Holy Spirit convicts this world of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. When I am in sin, the Holy Spirit convicts me. And I am thankful that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he convicts me and he convicts us. I'm thankful for that. But first, I want to distinguish the difference between condemnation and conviction. There's a difference there that we need to understand. Condemnation is defined here as the expression of very strong disapproval. The expression of very strong disapproval. That's condemnation. But God doesn't disapprove of us. You see, condemnation is from the devil. Condemnation is when you sin and you feel so bad about yourself that you feel like you can't even go to church. That you can't even come to God because God won't even forgive you of that sin. That's condemnation. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Write this down if you're taking notes. Condemnation is from Satan and it drives you away from God. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit and it points you to God. The conviction you receive from the Holy Spirit will, will change you and it wants you to turn, to turn to God and turn to have more faith in Him and turn away from the sin or the thing that God is convicting you of. That is from the Holy Spirit. Listen, you guys, if you feel convicted about, your, about the sin in your life, you should be thankful because that means you're not too far gone. That means, you're, that means you can still feel something. That means the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That means your hearts aren't hardened. You, you can still hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It is a good thing to come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit because there is a repentance that leads to life. So the Bible talks about how there's a repentance that leads to life. So I want to repent from my sin and turn away from my sin and turn to God. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict me of that. Does that make sense? You guys with me? All right. So this is an encouraging thing because when you and I make mistakes, which we do every day, God does not avoid us. He's not avoiding us at all. All sin is is just like missing the mark. It's like taking a shot. It's like taking a jump shot and missing the shot. And so the, it's the, Holy, the Holy Spirit wants us to hit the shot. He wants us to hit the aim. He wants to hit, hit the aim of integrity, hit the aim of character, hit the aim of God's way. The Holy Spirit is doing that in us. So God talks to us, you guys, because he has something better for us. That's a big point I want you guys to take away. God talks to us through his Holy Spirit because he has something better in store for us. Listen to what David says here about the conviction of the Holy Spirit in Psalm chapter 32, verse 3 through 5 is what we're going to read. It should be up on the board. David says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, sometimes God loves you so much that he's going to put his hand on your life. He's going to put his hand on your shoulder and he's going to say, no, no, I have something better in store for you than what you're doing right now. I have something better in store for you. And the Holy Spirit will convict you of that. 
If, you, if you're sitting in here right now and you feel convicted, maybe about your sexual purity, maybe about the, something you said to your mom or your dad, maybe it's just something in your life that you feel, con- maybe you, God wants you to serve and you, and you feel that conviction, like, shoot, I, maybe I should be serving right now. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you right now. And He's convicting you of that. You see, God is not upset with you when He does that. He is pleased with you. He loves you. And He has something greater in store for your life. But the thing is, will we trust him that he does? For example, one, one time in my life when the, I've never felt so convicted of the Holy Spirit is I gave my life to Jesus when I was in college. And at that time, I believed Jesus was my Lord and Savior. I believed he died and he rose from the grave. I believed in him. But at the same time, I still had a lot of stuff that I lived with the first 21 years of my life that I was still doing after I believed in Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Now I'm good. Now I'm like walking in the light. I'm like totally like perfect person, right? No, it wasn't that. I didn't even know really what it meant to follow Jesus. I just started opening up scripture. So I didn't understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. All I saw was some Christians who, how they lived their life. And I thought that was maybe what I should try to do. But they weren't necessarily living the life I feel like Jesus is calling us to live. So the Holy Spirit, right when I gave my life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit started convicting me of my sin. He was pulling things out of me that I needed to change. And one specific thing that he was pulling out of me was a relationship that I was in that wasn't godly at all. That, I, that she decided not to follow Jesus and I did. And so the Holy Spirit was convicting me of that sin saying, Hayden, you need to get out of this. He, he was convicting me of that. And he was, he was, that was the Holy Spirit's th- job. Of, he was saying, hey, I got something better in store for you on this side. I got something better in store for you. So he was convicting me of that. But the thing is, we have to trust that. At that time, I had to trust that. Right? I, now looking back at it, I can see, wow, like he did have something so much better in store for me. So much greater he had in store for me than what I was doing at that time. But we have to trust in God during that time. I know if you're sitting in here, you've probably felt convicted at some point in your life. Or you can feel convicted today even. Right? So the, the thing is, if the question isn't whether the Holy Spirit, Spirit will convict you. Because He will. He is doing that right now. But the question is, will you be fully surrendered to Jesus to allow the Holy Spirit to change you when you are convicted? Will you allow that conviction by the Holy Spirit to change you? For example, we have to, when we are convicted of the Spirit, are we going to trust that He has something greater in store for us? Or are we going to turn from that and trust that God has something better in store for us? That's why I love that aspect of the Holy Spirit and how He counsels us, because He convicts us. I love that aspect of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. Second thing. He comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts me. He's a comforter. Growing up in my house, um, we used to have two drawers of blankets. One drawer had a bunch of small blankets. They were kind of, you know, like that itchy. They like felt itchy on your skin, basically. They weren't warm at all, and no one wanted those blankets. And then there's another drawer of blankets that they were huge. They were like huge comforters. They were warm, and they just basically could, you could wrap yourself in. And every, like my brother and sister and I, we'd fight over those blankets because everyone wanted to go to that drawer for blankets, right? They were comforting us. I want to throw up that picture of Deb. Do we have that picture? Perfect. 
This is our uh, youth worship leader. She's not with us today, but that's Debriana. And she bought last week, she decided to, she went camping on the Oregon coast, and she bought this sleeping bag that she could wear the entire time camping, right? So it didn't, so she, she's from Southern California, so she's not really used to the Oregon coast. So everything, it was raining, it was windy, they were camping in tents, it was awful, but she just wore this thing the entire time, right? This, this, it comforted her. It didn't matter what was happening on the outside, the rain, the wind, whatever was happening, that, that, that sleeping bag was always comforting her. It was with her. She wore it everywhere she went. Well, you guys, the Holy Spirit wants to comfort us. He, he wants to comfort us. He is comforting you right now. He, when you go through a trial, when you go through a tribulation, when you go through a breakup, when you start dating, you go through a breakup, when your parents are arguing and fighting and maybe going through a divorce, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. He is there to comfort you. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So you guys, the the Comforter is coming. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is comforting you where you're at. I've seen personally in my life recently even, people who I know, who I'm really good friends with, lost their dad of cancer. I've, I've seen a girl that I, was, that I am close friends with, uh, had a boyfriend for seven years, who just passed away snowboarding at the um, mountain like a month ago. I've seen this in my life right now. I've seen people who have cancer right now. I've seen people who are going through, their parents are going through awful divorces. I've seen people themselves, some of my good friends are going through terrible illnesses right now. Right? All these, this, this pain and this suffering right now in this world... But Jesus is saying, but the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you. He is there with you. And that's my one prayer for any time I hear that. My one prayer is that God will comfort those people by his spirit. That he will give them peace and comfort and meet them where they're at. I believe when you are going through the hardest time in your life, the mark of God's love for you is that he does comfort you. Does that make sense? When, when you're going through the hardest time, the mark of God's love is that he's there with you. And I want to make this more personal for you guys. Uh, and there's a, one of my best friends. Her name's Adrian, And she lives in Bend. If you can throw up a picture of her. She lives in Bend. And what many people don't know about Adrian is that she is extremely ill. She has this illness where basically she can't go into a building that's like a year or two older. Because if, if there's any kind of mold in the building... Her body's attacked by that mold and her immune system so weak that she can't fight it off. She's in and out of doctor's appointments. She has no idea what, they have no idea what it is. She's trying treatments. She's trying medications. It's gone on since freshman year high school. She, there's nothing that she can do to stop it. She sleeps all day. She has no energy. She can only eat fruits and meat because her, um, her, she just can't digest it. She's extremely ill. She dreams of going to college, but she can't go to college because the classrooms that she sits in, the buildings are usually older than a year old. She can't hold a job. She just recently had to quit her job because the job that she built, the building she worked at was newer, but then it started getting mold in the building. And so it started to mean it started to attack her body and she can't, she gets deathly sick when that happens. Her parents just had to sell their house, the house they grew up in because it was old. 
So they had just had to move into a smaller house, a new house that they're renting now because she couldn't live in that home. Right? Her, her, from our perspective, her life is, is terrible, right? I mean, I'm counting my blessings every time I speak to Adrian because of all the things that she can't do. Yet it's amazing that Adrian is the most joy-filled person and the, most, the person that's filled with the most peace that I've ever met in my entire life. And she called me on Christmas Eve. It was this year, Christmas Eve. I was in the last service here at Beaverton Foursquare and the last service here on Christmas Eve night. And she called me, and I picked up because it was a weird time for her to call me. And she, 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 all she tells me was this. She said, Hayden, I'm in the ER right now. I'm in the most pain I've ever been in, uh, and I just kind of wanted to let you know, because I know you'll probably pray for me. And I knew when she told me that, that something was wrong, because this is a girl that has gone through a tremendous amount of pain and suffering, and for her to tell me that she's actually in the most pain in her life, like, I, I started to become worried, right? And that was in the Christmas Eve night. Later on that night, or I guess it was more or earlier in the morning, it was 2 a.m., I got a text message from Adrian, and it was, it was this picture. It was a picture of this, and it was a picture of her uh, journal that she sent me. It was 2 a.m. She did this on Christmas morning, and um, she sent this to me. And basically, in the ER, uh, she spent time with Jesus, and then she wrote it in her journal and just decided to send it to me because she wanted to send it and share it to someone. And... I asked if I could uh, read this to you guys, and she said, why not? She hasn't shared it with anyone else, but um, she wanted you guys to hear it as well. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close. So, Jamie, you want to jump on the keyboard as well as I begin to close? Um, I'm going to read this to you guys right now. And as I read this, just remember that Adrian, that girl that you just saw, was in the ER in the most pain in her life, and at 2 a.m. on Christmas morning, spent time with Jesus in the ER, and then she writes in her journal and sends this to me. And I'm going to read you what this journal says. This is what she said here. Today was the first time I legitimately thought I was going to die. Suffering and agony can be seemingly endless. But even if you are sick your whole life, that is still temporary because this life and these bodies are temporary. And we live to live for eternity. As I've experienced agony, I've realized the reality that this is what hell would feel like, except literally endless. My only want this Christmas was stripped clear down to just making it to heaven and being with Jesus. Nothing truly mattered in this life, not even if it was Christmas Day, besides getting to heaven away from pain and agony. Yesterday, when I was face down on the ground, I felt for Jesus when he was crucified and all the times he was in that position, but worse. I felt compassion and understanding for him, but also for me. I felt Jesus telling me, I've been there, Adrian, I know. You see, you have to go through something to really be there for someone else. Jesus lived this physical life so he could really be there for us. He lived so he could live with us, alongside us, through the experience of agony. He lived so we won't have to feel pain beyond this life. He was born today, Christmas Day, when she wrote this, to cover all this in advance. But to also walk it out with us while we are here. You see, you guys, Adrian had no reason to be feeling at peace and comforted. And the 20 years old, feeling like she's going to die in the ER, 2 a.m., Christmas morning, most pain in her life she's ever been in. 
And she had no reason to be feeling peace or comfort, yet she spends time with Jesus, and what does he do? He comforts her by his Holy Spirit. He comforts her. He gives her peace, knowing that he is with her, alongside her, walking beside her. You see, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He will comfort us. The question isn't whether he will comfort us, because he is, and he will do that. But the question is, will you turn to him to do so? Will you turn to God to allow him to comfort you? That's my question for you guys today is, who do you turn to comfort? Think about that in your mind. Everyone, everyone in here to think about when you're going through something hard, your parents are fighting, you're sick, a family member just passes away, something in your life is going not great. Who is it that you turn to first? Who is that person? Most people are in here probably thinking like it's a brother a sister, a mom, a dad, a best friend, boyfriend, girlfriend even maybe? What if I told you that God wants to be the first person you turn to? You see, Adrian didn't spend, she didn't turn to her mom or her dad or her brother or sister or even the doctor for comfort when she was in the ER, right? Who'd she turn to? Who'd she spend time with? She spent time with God and through his spirit, he comforted her. So the Holy Spirit, the two things, right? Two things. He is convicting you and he is comforting you. So he, it's not whether he will do these things or not, but he is. So I want to ask you guys, are you guys fully surrendered to God to allow him, when he does convict you, to change and turn away from that sin and trust that he has something greater in store for you? Are you going to trust that? And, and when you are going through something difficult, like you might be right this second... Will you turn to God first and allow his spirit to comfort you? Because Jesus says he is the comforter and he will give you.